Welcome everybody to the Science Patrol, your weekly thereabouts podcast for all things Ultraman. I'm your host, Rich Conroy, and with me as always is Mr. Patrick Rudy. Say hello, Patrick. Hey everybody, how are you? All right. We just got done watching episodes two and three of the original 60s Ultraman. Uh, that is Defeat the Invader and Sally Forth Science Patrol, one of my favorite titles. Um, so let's talk about episode two, uh, Defeat the Invaders, is the first one we saw today. What do we think of that? I like the fact that they broke the fourth wall instantly. Yeah. Right away. Right out of the gate. I've got a black eye, and you want to know about it, and here you are, and I'm going to explain it. But first, let's show you this whole other episode. Yeah, there's an entire rigmarole involved around Ito's black eye that really has not a lot to do with Ito's black eye whatsoever. Not at all. Yeah. There's, you see him... Uh, you think, oh, okay, he's having trouble sleeping, so maybe he bumps into something. No, goes down the, the technically fireman's pole. Nothing. Nothing. Uh, uh, Arashi steps on his feet because uh, the captain scolds him for wearing slippers because he was so tired. Right. And, and that didn't do anything? No, well, you thought maybe he'd trip and fall. And there's one point where Arashi looks like he's going to whack him. But it doesn't. doesn't. Yeah. So and the the other thing I noticed is they do sleep in their science patrol pajamas. Yeah, they they are perfectly ready to go to work instantly. Yeah, the science patrol uniforms also function as wonderful PJs. So that's exciting. Um, But you know, because it's casual, you can not wear your tie. And also, when you do count your sheep, you tell them what you're doing. Yeah. Four thousand so many sheep. Four thousand sheep. <laughs> and just keep saying sheep. Yeah, maybe because that that'll help. And you're doing it out loud, so I assume half of it is a passive aggressive. I'm um, going move. to count these sheep. Well, the every the guy in your above bunk is asleep, so you're kind of rubbing it in that you're having trouble sleeping because he's got a deviated septum, and you know. <laughs> He snored and you're still counting sheep. sheep. <laughs> exactly. Come on, sheep. Get a move on, sheep. So there's an emergency um, at the, the science, eh, some sort of science technology center. Yes. And, um, of course, Arashi goes to investigate it, and Hoshino, uh, which is Fuji's little brother, sneaks, uh, sneaks into the car and pops up uh, and decides, oh, I'm, I'm going to go with you. So we pull up to this, uh, you know, this place, and uh, we get a nice view of uh, Arashi walking in. It's a nice, like, balcony shot, very cinematic, and um, very nice outdoorsy shot for a really inexpensive program. They they used a lot of outdoor shots in these two episodes. Yeah, there's a lot of location shooting, which is nice. But you don't get um, if they're not spending money, you know. Um, so. Uh, they, of course, leave Hoshino in the car to communicate with Science Patrol Headquarters because that's important because um, the 10-year-old should be in charge of that. And, of course, they communicate with what we forgot to talk about last right, week. Right, the pins that they have for the communication. They have these little antennae that move, I don't know, an inch or two tops. And then once you raise it, by God, you're in communication with wherever you're supposed to be in communication that's right. with. And then you put it down no, telling them you're done. Yeah, yeah. And it's great because, like... Uh, Cell phone antennas used to be 12 feet long, but these things, because this Ultraman apparently takes place in the far-flung year of 1990. Ah. Yeah, so that's what, do you remember that? When we all had those lapel pins that we communicate with everybody. That that was big then. (laughs) Sure, sure. (laughs) VTOL aircraft were all the rage. Uh, But so uh, they go in and uh, Arashi finds the the night guard frozen. frozen. And green light to, fr- I mean, just basically standing still, but green Hardly, light means he's frozen green. That's right. by an alien. That's right. 
and the pin goes off to let them know, oh, we have aliens. Oh, yeah, we didn't discuss that last week either. They, they have these tie tacks, and uh, the tie tacks basically flash when, uh, I guess it's when they're in the presence of alien technology or aliens themselves. And, of course, Arashi's tie tack goes off, and he's like, oh. And then we are introduced to the monster this week, which is Balton Seijin, uh, which is Japanese for alien Balton. What is a Bolton? Do we have that? Bolton is the name of the alien species. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. So uh, that is that's that's the that's the Joker, like we said, to Ultraman's Batman. We're introduced to him in the second episode, right out of the gate, and he is a very well designed monster. Yeah, he had all sorts of different stuff going on. Yeah, the big googly eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he articulated no less. I did notice that. Yes. He did move a lot, and he had the little claws like lobster claws, and could make multiple copies of himself, as many as he so decided. Yeah, yes. whatever you need, which is nice, because you only need the one suit. Right, right. <laughs> you just keep shooting it in different spots. Yeah. And then they also commented on this one that there were 60 billion of these monsters that you just couldn't see. Yeah, so of course. So that you could kill one or two of them, and there'll be a lot more left. Yeah, because it doesn't fit the budget. So <laughs> you can't. we certainly don't have enough money to make 60 billion of these, but if we suggest that they're the size of microbes, that's infinitely cheaper and more terrifying. Exactly. Yes, exactly. budget conscious. So um, now, of course, Hayata comes in after Arashi is not heard from anymore, and, um, and my dog is looking me in the face right now, which is very hard to concentrate. First, <laughs> I'm doing a podcast. Did you know that? No, you don't know that because you're a dog. Anyway... Um, Hayata just flat out shoots him in the face, which is not good for interplanetary relations because that's what the captain decides he wants to do. He wants to try to communicate. Yeah, let's try to communicate. Let's try to be nice and we'll use this imaginary alien language that that basically everybody understands because aliens only speak one language. Yeah, he just tried to come up with some sort of universal greeting. And anyone who's seen the animated Transformers movie um, knows that the universal language is generally not an effective yeah. sort of thing. Um, and we also see the first appearance of the uh, laser rifle. Yes. Very big rifly thing with a big it's got a giant barrel. Giant barrel that really doesn't shoot a lot because it has a little power indicator that goes after about three shots you're done. Yeah. You have well, three apparently shots. you don't want to just lay on that trigger. <laughs> but we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll tell you why for in the next episode. So the, the Baltans uh, take over Arashi, and we discover that the Balton homeworld was devastated by their own nuclear testing. So by mad scientist nuclear testing. Yeah, now think about it. What did, the, what did the UN guys want to do? Oh, uh, blast the blast nuclear, nuclear weapon. weapons, of course. There's a lot of nuclear talk in this episode, and it's just like, oh, well, why are we going to do that when obviously the Baltans have ruined their own planet? Now, they were apparently just cruising through space, and they discovered Earth, and were like, yeah, we're going to move in here. No, they actually said they crashed because there was a problem with their ship. Right. Crashed on Earth, and then said, hey, this place is cool. Yeah, this is spectacular. We're going to stay here. And of course, course, Hayata's like, why don't you guys live on Mars? Like, we don't like Mars. It's It's not nice. Very petulant. None of us like Mars. (laughs) So (laughs) then we see the, the, it may be the first and only time that you see the Science Patrol Ninja Star. Yes, I saw that. Yeah, that was pretty cool. And I don't think we've ever seen that again, but I could be wrong. I can't say what we're going to see. I know this is the first time I saw it. I could be wrong. And then uh, Captain Mira says that he thinks um, that Specium 
will be able to defeat the invaders. And of course, we know that Ultraman has a specium ray, so they don't have to travel all the way to Mars for it. Um, so, of course, uh, the Balton becomes enormous. And, just uh, somehow magically just says, well, you know what, I need to be Well, large. you know, he can split himself into a whole bunch of yeah, ways. Yeah, I guess he can This is the only one that's supposed to be visible by Earth people. He can so he has some sort of like matter transmogrification sure, ability. Sure. <laughs> and he proceeds to lay the smack down on the center of the city. Hayata gets knocked out and uh, loses the beta capsule over the side of a building and decides he's just going to swan dive over it, yeah. catch it off a windowsill, and, and become Ultraman in midair. As he's falling in midair. Yeah. Which I thought was absolutely ridiculous. There's no shot you're actually <laughs> going to be able to catch anything as you're flying down or but, just jumping but but what the hell <laughs> <laughs> he's the hero of this piece so we're going to allow it now uh, so of course it actually doesn't take long for ultraman to to beat the living daylights uh in a mid-air wrestling match uh but we, we've never seen anything like that before i, I mean the second episode we haven't seen a lot but we did see what for the first time in this episode what did we see for the first time? I don't know. Building destruction. Oh, that's right, that's right, that's right. Absolute, that yeah. absolute massacre of some fine miniatures uh, built by Super And you got to figure the miniature constructor is sitting there going, okay, I did a really good job, let's see how it breaks. Yeah, that busted up really nice. <laughs> oh, look at that explosion. <laughs> that explosion that was nice. cool. Yeah, yeah. And then, I mean, you figure you've got one shot. Yeah, oh yeah, you're not building it again. Yeah. If it doesn't Oh, you burn, can. Yeah, but it takes more time oh, yeah. and more money. In Godzilla, one of the Godzilla films, they had to fight, um, and I want to say it was Godzilla Raids again, he and um, uh, Shore, Angelus, had to fight at the uh, Osaka Castle, and they built this beautiful miniature, but it didn't go properly. So they like had it to sort rebuild of just the whole thing? Dented. So they had to re repair it and then reshoot it. Yeah, so that caused like an entire delay of film, an entire day delay of film. Oh, sure, sure. Like but they don't want to try to do that on a TV show because you have another one coming next week. You yeah. You know you have a few in the can. Yeah. You have one coming every week, so you yeah. really can't take a lot of time. you mm -hmm. got to know what you're doing with yeah, your minutes. Exactly. Um, so Ultraman blows uh, Balton up and uh, so just basically sets him on fire in the sky. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Cool. <laughs> and he lands just in an oil refinery, which is compounding the problem. <laughs> it's just, you know, in, in this in giant inferno. And uh, just, it's ridiculous that he just, you know, and then goes after the invisible ship that they came in, um, pushes it away. And I don't know if it's an addition in the English version. But there's like this nice sunrise and everything because the whole battle takes place at night. There's this nice sunrise, and then the narrator's like, and then Ultraman destroyed the Balton spaceship, and you're like, all right, so he just massacred sixty billion of well, an alien. The way I looked at it is that sunrise is him actually blowing the ship up, right? Because right. it was just all big red, yeah, 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 not so red anymore. And yeah, it wasn't a sun that came up or anything. So when, yeah, so that, that, in my mind, it was the ship blowing up. But then we kind of find out, no, there's probably a lot more of them because there's more than just the one ship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then, the, of course, we have another far, fourth wall break to find out that uh, Ito falls out of bed because he's in a deep sleep and lands directly on his face from the second And bottom. directly on his eye. Apparently Not like anywhere else, eye. but just got a black eye. Out. And it is huge. It looks like he's hit with a mallet. Yeah, yeah. It is 
the entire upper quadrant of his face. They like, did some good makeup to get it to look this bad. Yeah. And then you think, you know, if they had done that much, if they had gone more around the face, it would have looked better, but it's just a black eye. Yeah, it's a kid's show, so you don't want to show horrible facial trauma from falling out of a bunk bed. Because <laughs> no kid's going to want to sleep in the top bunk after that. That'd be horrific. Um, oh, so we have our, our, um, our alien Balton, so we're going to do a quick monster minute about uh, the alien Baltons. Now, uh, this is the Generation 1 alien Balton, so we've got a quick bit from the Ultraman Wikia here. Uh, hang on. Yeah, let's see. Alien Balton's planet was, of course, destroyed by their own nuclear testing. They sought out a new world uh, to live in. Now, this, of course, says that only 2.3 billion Baltons shrunk down, um, which apparently the translators... That's just not nearly just enough. Just watched what they oh, said. Oh, that's crazy. We don't want... 2.3 is just not nearly enough, people. Right. So we, we're going to have to do this. So... Um, the Balton uh, began to infiltrate the science base as it needed parts to repair their ship. Um, so you know, and it just says like they don't want to they don't want to uh, coexist with the humans because you know they're going to make us our uh, our slave. They're going to make us their slaves because we're just kind of in the way because that's why they shot the people in the first. Yeah, place. exactly. Kind of he says, yeah, why did you shoot the people that were in your way? Well, you said that we were in our way. Um, Let's see, the suit actor, Takeshi Sato, an alien Balton's original name was supposed to be resident of the uh, M240 galaxy. Uh, now, the name was changed due to unknown reasons. I'm assuming that that's just how they got their mail addressed. Yeah, pretty you much. Know, attention resident of the M240 galaxy or current <laughs> resident. Uh, the laugh was a reused mushroom people laugh from the Toho horror movie Montango. Okay. I've not seen that because it's out of print and insanely expensive. Ah, that'd be a good reason. Uh, let's see. Uh, in certain magazines featuring an unused concept of alien Mephlius holding a conference with other aliens, Balton's name is romanized in English as Valtan. Okay. There you go. Now he's also the first alien Ultraman's ever fought. True. True. Um, True. Let's see. First alien not to be able to speak a human language. Right, he never said anything. He just kind of... He had to do it through a Rashi. Had to go through a Rashi, true. Um, and let's see. Uh, this episode was later featured in episode two of Ultraman Retsuden, Chase Alien Balton, The Great Clash in the Air. That's a show that was made. It's like a big Ultraman clip show that features they just took stuff from all entire history of Ultraman. Gotcha. Fair enough. So that's basically, um, that's basically what we're going to end on for this one. Um, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. So we are back. Thanks for sticking with us. The music, as always, uh, is provided. I neglected to mention it last time by Terminal Sunburn. TerminalSunburn.bandcamp.com if you want to listen to that. And please buy their music because it's really great and you're supporting independent artists. Um, now, we've got our second episode, Sally Forth Science Patrol, which I just, I love that. I don't know why. It's, it's absolutely a great title. I don't 
especially know why they're sallying so forth. But, um, but that's what you have to do is you must sally forth. You must forth. sally forth. Um, so what we have uh, we have Arashi, no, um, Hoshino and Fuji are at what looks like to be Osaka Castle. We're not really, I'm not really too sure. Um, and they are but it talking. is a spectacular castle with a nice outdoor shot. Yeah, more location shooting. That's what we like. Um, and they discover that uh, there's a, a supposedly a haunted well on the premises where they hear sounds and whatnot. Right. So Hoshino does what any sensible tennis-year-old boy goes and climbs down the well with a flashlight. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> We never see the flashlight until he's down. Oh, no, 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 you do. It's in his right hand. You catch a, a quick uh, glimpse quick of glimpse it. Quick glimpse, I missed it then. That's okay. It's like three frames. I mean, uh, yeah. Enough. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And so he gets down and he's like, boy, it's dark. I should use my flashlight. And it's enormous. Yeah, it's gigantic. Like, you know, one of those 60s takes 4D batteries and only has the one tiny bulb, bulb in it. Just barely, <laughs> just barely lights anything. anything. Yeah. But when they show it from the top of the well, it looks perfectly smooth going down, but then you get a shot from the bottom of the well. And it's all and rocky. You see all and rocks and all the steps that that's what you're using that's to climb, climb down the well. Down. So of course Fuji goes after him because it's uh, her little brother. And uh, they discover uh, a monster down at the bottom of the well that people have been reporting. And uh, sure enough, it attacks a power station nearby, uh, underground, just collapsing huge sections of the mountainside. In Which a, is fantastic. Yeah, that's a beautiful effect. effect. You can see they really put a lot of effort into the special effects of how are we going to get this, what's supposed to be the side of a mountain, to move so that way we can get this monster out of it. Right, so we have sections of it collapsing, and it's obviously canvas. That once once it collapses and the dirt and trees fall into this hole, the inside of the canvas is painted uh, with like strata of rock, and it's such a really now you can't you can't not look at it and go like wow that that holds up that's yeah it. yeah that's a great great I mean, piece of you're still looking art. we're looking at it now basically fifty years later yeah and it still looks like it's a decent shot yeah it's well done it's well done um, and then of course the uh, power plant breaks up. Yes, um, and we see just a glimpse of this this uh, quadruped monster known as Naranga, and uh, I don't remember. Oh, Naranga is supposed to be a like some sort of legendary beast that was fought off by soldiers, right? According three hundred years ago, according to the ten year old. Yeah, <laughs> he seems to know the whole history of the area, even though he's just busy. He's like, I just read a book. By the way, coincidentally, <laughs> oh dear. Um, so uh, we have that. Um, he is awoken, obviously, by uh, Hoshino down there. Um, and uh, when we finally do see the monster after he has uh, attacked a couple more power stations, it is Baragon from Frankenstein Conquers the World. They took his ears off and they replaced it with these swivelly horns which are very very well done movable horns I, Move, I mean, yeah i don't know how they got they had to have some sort of thing on the inside to move them back and forth yeah, yeah, yeah. but it was very very well done I yeah when you that. see the horns go forward it meets up with the glowing horn which i don't remember baragon having but no actually he did have some sort of yellow horn i don't remember it lighting up but it's been a long time since i've seen it because that's also out of print and stupid expensive <laughs> If only. It's one of my favorite Toho movies, and it's like $100 on oh, DVD. Well. <laughs> and it can stay my favorite Toho movie that's $100 on DVD because someone has to be putting it out. Yeah. Somebody has to re-get the rights to that and put out all those rare 
Toll films that are out by, um, oh, not Shout Factory, Tokyo Shock, who are doing nothing with them right now. Hmm. But anyway, they, they kind of fix up his head. They painted his back green. They slapped some um, very thick dorsal spines on him. Um, and uh, so that's he's eating electricity. That's why he's attacking the power stations. So they gear up. Science Patrol flies out to this power station. Hoshino's in the back. He has stolen the laser rifle. Of course. What, 10-year-old doesn't have a laser rifle? Yeah, because he's he, he wants to defeat the monster by himself. I don't understand exactly why. Um, it's not like he feels guilt about it or something. Maybe he feels guilt that he woke it up, like he decided to go traipsing no, about this. No, he's just, I'm going to defeat the monster because I'm good. Okay, fair enough. I think that's where he's going. All right, fair enough. Um, and, hey, why not, right? Uh, so... Strangely enough, uh, you know, the army brings out tanks and missile, missile launchers, launchers right? Some sort of science-y, domey kind of thing. Oh, yeah. They mentioned, uh, but I don't remember what the name yeah, of it is. Yeah, it's like the, um, oh, it's the, like, the beam weapon yeah, that's brigade or something like that. that. Basically yeah. what they call it. Yeah. You're sitting there going, okay. Yeah, it's the charge of the library. They're like maser tanks, if, you, if you're familiar with Godzilla films, um, that have the maser tanks with the... Um, like the radar dish on the front that lights up and shoots like these concentrated beams of energy. They're kind of like that, but they have a sort of Jacob's Ladder on the top. Yeah, they have that all connects sorts and, of different stuff on yeah, it. Yeah, and it shoots uh, energy beams that don't apparently do all that much. Um, and uh, Naranga takes a whole bunch of missiles and cannon fire and whatnot and is not terribly amused by it. So he begins trashing the hell out of this power station. And the, again, with the power station... They had the actual outside shot of the power station and then built a miniature to scale of the power station so, so that way they can wreck it. Yeah, exactly. Because God forbid we wreck the real power station. Yeah. <laughs> That's far above the budget. Um, so uh, Hoshino corners the monster, right? Uh, well, not, well, no, he, he first cowers in fear because the monster is amazingly loud. And he has yeah. his hands yeah, over his You don't see that. Really yeah. loud. Yeah, the cannon fire, uh, the tanks, the artillery, the missiles, and the monster roaring. And he's just got his hands over his ears. And that's, yeah, you don't see that. Like, you don't think, like, this is a gargantuan B60 or, you know, probably 60. 30 meters because that's yeah. where everything was. 30 meters tall monster level. that's just screaming. Really loud. <clears throat> Excuse me. So he gets in front of it and starts blasting the ever-loving crap out of it with the laser rifle, uh, finally burning out one of his eyes. And of course, that laser rifle then picks that opportune time to run out of juice completely. Yes. Yes. Uh, no low ammo warning, nothing. <laughs> so he's Whoops, just like, well, no power. we're done. And he's like, oh, what am I going to do? And so he runs, trips, and hits his head. Um, he's recovered by the science patrol. And uh, in another really nice composite shot, we have um, Hayata running into the wreckage. Into the fire. Yeah, into the fire to, to we don't know yeah. what. Hint, Just, hint. I'm going to go run and do something. Don't yeah. know what, but I'll go do something. Suddenly he becomes Ultraman um, in a shot that we've never seen from the monster's perspective. Um, right, he has the, the swirly stuff. Yeah, the little swirly light that him, goes around and, and he's Ultraman. Right, he, be, he becomes the giant from Nebula M78 Ultraman. Um, and in what I like to call flexible timing, 
very quickly into their wrestling match, the color timer on his chest starts to go off. And this is the first time we see this power blink. No, we've seen it, but they don't explain they, well, it. This one, I'm sorry, like, they explain yeah. <laughs> why he's got blinking light on his chest just to let you know, hey, by the way, if this thing blinking, you're starting to run low. Yeah. If it blinks, if it's constantly on, you now have no power and Ultra your guns will not rise again. Because um, remember the first one, they were like, oh, the thing's blinking on his chest. I wonder if that means he's in trouble. Oh, uh, yeah, okay. No, yeah. And they don't make, well, no, he, he actually, they, it doesn't come into play in the second episode No, at all. they didn't pinpoint it out Yeah. Either. But in this third episode, they explain what it's there for and explain, by God, if it's lit constantly, Ultraman's done and you might as well just give it up. Yeah, no, that's actually a pretty good, um, that's a really nice device. Uh, like, it, it builds a lot of tension uh, if Ultraman's taking a, a real pounding from a particular monster. And that color timer starts to go off as a kid. I was like, oh, oh my God, this is, this could be curtains. It could be bad. Because... You didn't have the internet, and you didn't know that there was 39 episodes. You could, they could just end this now. I don't know. I'm a kid. This is a, I don't get it. So he, he, he does a lot of fighting uh, with the uh, with Naranga, a lot of wrestling, and there's a lot of like Japanese professional wrestling moves. This oh, yeah, he picks yeah. him up, does the little spin, does the spin, and then chucks him. him. Um, the the chest bump. Yeah, that's he's all. like. Come at me, let's go. It's all what you would consider WWE today. Yeah. 50 years ago, it's mm -hmm. Japanese wrestling, same difference. Yep, yep. Um, and then he does the most insanely brutal move where he takes Bar um, Baragon, um, Naranga's head over his knee and just cracks the horn off his face. And you got to figure, even though it's a plastic horn, for the monster, yeah. that it hurt yeah. like god-awful. Yeah, it's brutal. It's like... Ultraman is kind of a jerk in certain instances because you kind of got to be. You're fighting a big old monster. Um, but the monster's got to be like, well, I wasn't doing anything. That I'm just hurts. eating over here. Yeah, it's like if somebody walked into a restaurant and punched you right in the nose and broke it. Um, of course, you were have to be crashing through the restaurant and destroying everything. Well, that's, you know, it's not a perfect. Sort of a relative. It's not a perfect uh, metaphor. <laughs> um, and that, of course... Uh, causes Naranga to either die or pass out. No, 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 you gotta remember and the one thing that we've seen now is Ultraman will shoot his the specium, ray. specium ray to destroy the monster. That's right. always the way the monster is destroyed is this species, I mean the three episodes I've seen yeah. every monster is destroyed by the specium ray. We can do everything else Yeah. but the specium ray, we gotta, that's it. We gotta clear the table, exactly. And he blows them up good. Chunks of monster fly everywhere. And I thought at first it was actual pieces of the actual costume and then Rich pointed out, no, no, no they have other little pieces of rubber they kind of Yeah, we'll see that again. Around. We'll see that, that um, hunk, uh, not hunks, but we'll see Elements of that suit used again twice more, I believe, in the in the original series. Um, and you're also going to see some suits that you're going to recognize okay. um, being reused. And um, you know, then that episode's great. They everybody climbs into the the science patrol ship, and they're all flying home. Nobody at all seems concerned about the enormous fire at the power station. <laughs> it's just not really important. It's, it must have been put out by now. By the fire department, <laughs> sure. Yeah, we did that. The fire department handled that. So uh, that's it for the third episode, Sally Fourth Science Patrol. We're going to do a bit of a monster minute on Naranga now. He is an ancient kaiju beast. Of course, this is again from Wikia. Uh, ancient kaiju beast that first appeared sleeping beneath the well near Kazumi. 
Ah, see, now I didn't know that. Um, only to awaken and go on a feeding rampage, but was stopped by Ultraman. A second one appeared on the planet Boris. I don't know when that comes into play. Uh, let's see. Yeah, let's find out some interesting facts about... Naranga. Naranga. Suit actor Haroro Nakajima. Do you know that name? Never heard of him. That's the man who was in the Godzilla suit. Was he really? Yes. Okay. Fair and enough. He did, I believe, play Baragon in Frank's Nine Conquers the World. Again, I haven't seen that one at all. Great movie. Great movie. Got to see it. Um, so he's obviously got experience in the suit. How to do the monster suit. So exactly. And, of course, he's been Godzilla since 1954. So he knows exactly. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. Uh, Naranga's roar is a reused Baragon roar. Uh, his last his name comes from the Roman Emperor Nero. Fair enough. One of the monsters uh, created from the modified Baragon costume. Pagos, Magular, and Gabora are also so three more times they so reused. So we're probably going to see these same yeah, guys so. modify the costume a little bit, and here we go again. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Um, in the series, oh my god! <laughs> Don't get too far ahead. In the series. Dinosaur Great War Eisenborg, which we... No. I'm going to tell you about this. Uh, he is explained to be one of the foot soldiers of Aruru. Uh, stock footage of Naranga's invisible attack on the power plant was used. Um, let's see if there's anything else. Let's see. Oh, original promotional photos seem to imply that Naranga was originally intended to be a pawn of Baltan. Okay, fair enough. In the same photos, Naranga is brown. And lacks the antenna. So that's kind of cool. Um, <clears throat> apparently, during the first attack, he is seen without the antenna on his head. Now that you mentioned Yeah, that, and now that I read that, I'm like, oh, yeah. Didn't oh, think about I that. I didn't realize that. But uh, briefly, I'm going to go on an aside here. There is a show that I've only seen some of called Dinosaur Great War Eisenborg. It's done by Subaraya. Oh, okay. The miniature work is extraordinary. The monster suits look like they were made from a bad couch. Oh, and about $14. No. Oh, God, no. And it basically the idea is dinosaurs have not been extinct for 65 million years or however long. They're still walking around. No, they've been underground. Oh. Becoming more intelligent. I gotcha. Okay. So, in the English dub that I've seen, the Emperor Tyrannus... Who is he? Like, super berserk well, yeah, it's a, Tyrannosaurus. It's a, it's a Tyrannosaurus, yeah. obviously. Decides he wants to take over the world, right? Okay, yeah, why not? So all the people in the show are done as anime. But all the mech work and the monsters are suitmation. Oh. So it is the most jarring... Combination. Of oh, it's insane to watch. On. There is a, there is a, uh, a VHS long out of print called Attack of the Super Monsters that puts four episodes of this together in one sort of movie mash. Okay, <sighs> I'm guessing you've got to be super wasted to watch I, that. <laughs> no, it's pretty spectacular, Stone Cold Sober, because it's ridiculous. <laughs> um, it te taught me a bunch of things. One, dinosaurs are full of kerosene. Okay. Yeah, so they do explode violently, violently and destroy. Um, if they had thumbs, we'd be screwed. Um, sure, sure. It just, and um, it's 
if you get a chance to download War of the Super Monsters, it's probably on YouTube. Um, oh my God, it's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. You can't turn your head away. It is a car wreck of a film. Nice. I've never seen another frame of it anywhere else. I don't know if it's been fan-subbed or anything else. But I have to look it up. I have to look it up. It's berserk. <laughs> I can't even... I don't know if you picked that up. It's berserk. Um... <laughs> But yeah, that's about it on our uh, on our two episodes. What are your what are your final impressions, Pat? The first episode was a bit more interesting because it had more outdoor shots. Mm. Even though you did get to see like the power plant in the second episode, but the first episode was just more outdoor Z. Yeah, and then of course they went to the studio to get the bombs, the breaking stuff, and all that kind of stuff. But it would, I mean, you. T kind of figure out, okay, when you see the specium shot, you know, okay, that's the end of this monster. Your episode's yeah. just about Yeah, where it's the wrap-up. And then, you know, we have to have a little bit of a, a side joke, and then, and then we're pretty much done. Yeah. And I like the breaking of the fourth wall in the second episode. That was fun. Yeah. And then, like I said... In the, I don't in think the, we see that again. I don't I think don't so. Know. I can't say, obviously. Yeah. And then the, the full explanation of the power blink for Ultraman to tell you, okay, if you see this thing blinking, there's a problem. Narrator exposition, always always uh, helpful to hear. Yes. Um, so that way at least you know what to look forward to. And you know, if you're a little kid, or in my case a very old man, or somewhat old man, and you, you Or say, a big oh, kid. A <laughs> big kid, yeah. <laughs> and you say, okay, that's what I have to look for. If I see that thing flashing, I know there's a real problem. Mm -hmm. And the species race coming out soon, because we know Ultraman keeps going. That's right. Yeah, pretty much we're 50 years in. Uh, we don't worry a whole heck of a lot, but it does build a nice dramatic tension. It helps when you're watching it, you know, like... It's even though you know it's he's gonna come out on top of this, you're like, oh, it's still tense. Yeah. Like, how's he gonna do it? Like, what? You know, especially what in some of the episodes, right? Especially in some of the episodes where the monster is clearly stronger than him. Uh, I haven't seen those yet. Yeah. No. We're you know you gotta get the lightweights out of it. He's, right, right, he's right, moving up the moving up the monster wrestling ranks. Weight class. Yeah. 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 <laughs> he's he's still he's still in bantam at this point <laughs> or Balton weight. Exactly. So uh, yeah, I'm sorry about that joke, guys. Um, but yeah, I think those are two solid episodes. Very well done. Yeah. And uh, people want to know uh, where they can watch Ultraman. Uh, Ultraman is available streaming on Hulu. They no longer offer the free option, I found out recently. Ah. So it used to be available streaming for free. Um, you can watch it for free on Shout Factory's website, which is, I believe, shoutfactory.com slash TV. And you just type in Ultraman. They are showing the subtitled versions. Uh, so your mileage may vary as far as dialogue and plot points. Sure. You know, things are things are different. Also, no um, no cuts in today's two episodes where they revert back to the Japanese. True. Like in that first one. True, true, true. It was all dubbed. Yep. We are watching uh, the dubbed version. That's what I grew up with on the BCI Eclipse Ultraman Volume 1 box set. That is long out of print. Uh, it goes for a pretty penny on eBay and Amazon. But it is superior, I believe, to the Mill Creek box set, which is only four discs. It's a little bit more compressed. I got gotcha. you. Know, a little bit more um, artifacting and whatnot. Uh, also comes with a nice booklet oh. written up by August Rigone. And the packaging is 
absolutely stunning. Yeah, it is good packaging. I do have to say. Yeah, the, every every disc it comes in its own little slim case. Um, the box is embossed. If you can if you can pony up the ducats for that, I recommend it heartily. Some of the English language episodes are available on YouTube, so you can stream it there. And because uh, I know at least the first three are available, so I am not checked. I should do that for next episode. Let you know if they're available. Um, you know, just to stream for free anyplace. And uh, like I said, Mill Creek does have a four disc set that's incredibly cheap. It's something like six dollars. That's not bad at all. At you know six bucks on Amazon. If that's the best you can do, it's the best you can do yeah, yeah. right now. Um, there's a rights issue. Of course. That we'll get into in another episode. Um, but uh, I think that's going to wrap it up for today. Our producer is Casey Kittle, who's handling the boards at a, another location. He has kindly lent us the recording equipment for this. Music is supplied by Terminal Sunburn, terminalsunburn.bandcamp.com. You can reach us on Twitter at Ultraman Podcast, which I said correctly this time. There you go. Um, <clears throat> and um, what was the other one? Ultraman Podcast at gmail.com. The, uh, yeah, what do we call that thing? The Tumblr page and the Facebook group should be up shortly. It may even be up by the time you read this, but it will be um, ultramanpodcast.tumblr.com and just look up Science Patrol on Facebook. Science Patrol podcast. I'm going to make sure it says that because there's a the reason we don't have all the cool Science Patrol Stop. Twitter tags is it and whatnot. There? there is a, a company that makes vinyl figures out of San Francisco called ah. the Science Patrol. They make very nice stuff. You should check them out uh, if you're into that uh, vinyl. If you're into vinyl toys, they make some really really neat stuff. Uh, all original uh, vinyl figurines. They're they're very very nice. Uh, some limited edition stuff. They do stuff in glow in the dark and uh, weird paint schemes. They're little okay. monsters and whatnot. It's cool. But uh, I think that will wrap it up for us today. I have been Rich Conroy. I'm Pat Rooney. All right. And uh, Sally Ford, Science Patrol. Bye.